We're, we're glad you're here this morning, and I hope you're uh, enjoying the series. We're talking today about the, the, how to be a neighbor, and today's theme is being generous. And uh, actually, I've subtopic this second mile living. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. This is Jesus speaking, by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist the evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Give to him that asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun to shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Wow. A lot of times things get distorted and people misunderstand and misconstrue exactly what's being talked about. Sort of reminds me of a story I heard, and this will date me, but I, I don't mind being dated. I'm just glad I'm still above ground, amen? Uh, but there may be a few of you in the congregation who remembers the day when flying was much different than it is today. You get on an airplane now, you fly out of bush field, and in a matter of a few minutes, you're into the clouds and then past the clouds. And then about the only thing you'll see on your journey is sky until you start your descent. But it hadn't always been that way. When I was very young and evangelizing, sometimes I would have to fly to my appointments. And back in those days, you had twin engine prop jobs. And I used to love to fly those old twin-engine planes, those DC-3s and, and uh, DC above that, whatever the numbers were. Um, but the, the reason I like to fly those old planes is because you could see where you were going. They were low enough to the ground. In fact, if you actually knew your route, you could, we could watch the highways. I, I used to fly from, I was evangelizing in Indiana, and I lived in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, so... We would fly, and, and I, could, I could watch the interstates from my, if I had a window seat uh, from the sky and see exactly where we were going. And I used to love it when we'd go across Kentucky and see those, those, um, those fences for what looked like miles as they had those pastures fenced in for all those, those great uh, horse farms up there. It's just, just fantastic. I, I love that day. And <laughs> there was something else, though, about that time. Uh, that's different from today. You, you, get, you can get on a plane here and fly a direct flight to your destination, wherever it is. It wasn't that way in the old days. Uh, in Winston-Salem, where I was born and raised, uh, Piedmont Airlines was the, was the airlines that you flew because that was their hub, and almost everything was Piedmont there. Uh, 
And, uh, and, and go, for example, when we flew to Indianapolis, Indiana, we would stop in Lexington, Kentucky, and, and um, they would refuel. And then we'd stop in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they would refuel. And finally, we would get to Indianapolis, Indiana. But uh, it was almost like riding a bus. You, you stopped at different places and let off passengers, take on passengers, get refueled and serviced and go. And uh, I heard this story about this old country boy. And his family was trying to get him to fly because he needed to go somewhere long distance away. And they kept trying to tell him, it's just, you, you, it, driving is just it's too laborious and the trip's too long and you'll waste too much time. You need to fly. And they finally talked this old boy into flying. It was the first time he'd ever flown in his life. He was real nervous about it. And he got on that little old prop plane and... And uh, they, one of the things they always did when you got on, you'd be waiting. There'd be a yellow uh, gas truck, fuel truck out there fueling the plane, a shell, gas or fuel, uh, airplane fuel. And they'd fuel the plane, and then you'd taxi off. And, and, and that was happening on his flight. And, and when they stopped the first time, uh, out comes this little yellow shell truck and refuels the plane. And and then they're up and away again. And then in a few hundred miles, they stop again. And out comes this yellow fuel truck and refuels the plane. And, and finally, he reaches his destination. And as they're ascending and finally land and they're taxiing to the, uh, uh, to the terminal, the guy that was flying with him looked over at him and said, boy, isn't this something? Do you realize that we've been, we've been flying in excess of 200 miles an hour? That was fast in those days. <laughs> we've been flying in excess of 200 miles an hour, and look how much time we've saved, and here, here we are at our destination. What do, you, what do you think about the whole trip? And he's looking out the window, and here comes that yellow fuel truck. And he said, uh, I, I'm not so impressed with this plane. What impresses me is that, you, that little yellow fuel truck. Said, that old boy ain't doing too bad either. Uh, he didn't understand the concept. He, he, he thought that truck was, was, was running along with them and getting fuel for them in every place. So some people had difficulty understanding what Jesus was talking about when he starts presenting some of the very fundamental principles of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven. And he, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest recorded sermon that we have by Jesus, it takes Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 to get all of that sermon in. It's a long one. And, uh, and Jesus is, is speaking here. And, and he talks to them. And first of all, he deals with the law, which they are familiar with. But unfortunately, as he deals with the law, he's dealing with Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and elders and, and people that are really into the religion of that day. And they understood the law, but not only did they understand the law, they understood what their religious tradition had added to the law. You know, God gave Moses 10 commandments and religion added about 650 uh, more ordinances to it. Sounds like Congress, doesn't it? Well, that's, that's what they'd done through the years. They'd added all of these things to it. And so Jesus is dealing with that here. He says, here's what the law says. The law says, and he goes back to Exodus 21, in fact, and picks it up, 24 and 25. This is where they got it from. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a stripe for a stripe. 
Now, that's true. That's in the scripture. But what the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and elders had done, they had taken what Moses is presenting here as the judicial structure for their law of government. You understand what I'm saying by that? In other words, if you're taken to court, this is what a judge is supposed to go by in rendering a decision to help keep order in society. Well, they had moved it way beyond that. They took this on as a personal uh, vendetta against anybody that they didn't like, and they used the Scripture to justify the way they treated other people, and they made that their rule of ethics that they lived by. Well, they'd gotten way beyond what the law was given for. And, and so Jesus is bringing correction to that. Um, look what he says. Here, here's, here's the law that they live by on retaliation. In other words, they believe that if you mistreated them, they had a right to mistreat you. And again, they go back by what you're trying to rule society with in a courtroom, and, and, and they're taking it on as the way they're treating their neighbor. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Boy, they, and, they, and like I said, they, they had all of these other things they had to do. Same way with forgiveness. In fact, in, in that day, they had added to what the law had talked about forgiveness. And for their own rule of ethics, the way they treated one another, they had come up with this religious idea that if someone did you wrong, you could forgive them once, maybe twice. If you were real, you probably shouldn't, but if you were really generous, you might even consider forgiving them three times, but never ever would you forgive somebody more than three times. That, that, that's the code of ethics that they were living by, if you study the history of the Jewish people by, back then. And, and they were using the law to enforce this. You remember that time when Simon Peter comes up to Jesus and talking about forgiveness? It's in Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Listen to this. Then Simon Peter came to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, get the picture here. here. Here's Simon Peter. He walks up to Jesus, and they're talking about forgiveness. And, of course, Simon Peter, you know, he was, he was type A personality, very cleric, and he was always kind of out front and very, very outspoken. So he just walks up and says, yeah, Jesus, how many times, and you got to see him, he's kind of strutting his stuff here. How, how, many, how many times should, uh, should my neighbor sin against me and I forgive him, my brother, to seven times? Yeah, he's, really, he's really proud of himself. You see, he has taken their ethics of never more than three, and he's doubling it and adding one. He said, up to seven times? Look at, look at me, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm really generous. I, up to seven times? And then Jesus popped his bubble, blew him completely away with the most unexpected remark that he could imagine. He said, no, I, I don't think seven will do it. He said, how about let's go seven times seven? 400, seven times 70, I'm sorry, 490 times, four, 490 times, wow. It, 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 the point is, 
it's really limitless because, again, the theologians say that what Jesus was talking about here was in a day. If your neighbor sinned against you 490 times in a day, you were supposed to forgive him. In other words, it's unlimited. You're supposed to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and keep on forgiving. And I'll share with you why in just a few minutes. But, that, but that's the way they looked at forgiveness. Jesus had a better way. Then about treating others. Here's what they said. Love your neighbor. That's the law. And hate your enemies. <laughs> that was added to the law. <laughs> That's one of those 650 that I mentioned a while ago that they, they added these the ordinance. They, they, they said, in other words, if, if God is saying, love your neighbor, then uh, we'll contrast that by saying, you love your neighbor, but you hate your enemy. Now, remember, Jesus is coming with a better way. How many of you are glad we're living under grace today instead of law? Anybody glad about that? Praise the Lord. Go ahead and give God praise for that. I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you. Jesus comes teaching a different way. He said, I, I've come to bring the kingdom of heaven to you. And this, this is the way it works in the kingdom of heaven. And, and if you're going to be children of the kingdom, this is the way you should act. L let me tell you what you should do about retaliation. This is Jesus speaking here. He said, you, I read it a while ago, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Wow. Was, <laughs> that, that doesn't sound too good, does it? Stay with me. Because if you've been serving the Lord for any length of time and you've been trying to live according to the rules of the word, you are very much aware that God's way is best in the end. Can I get an amen on that? God's way is always best in the end. It doesn't look, it doesn't look like that in the beginning here. Boy, especially if you've got a hot temper, somebody slaps you, it, it's not easy to turn the other cheek. But that's what Jesus said that we ought to do. What about this thing of forgiveness? Forgiveness. If anyone sues you to take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Wow. Where did that come from? Well, let me tell you, the situation in that day, you remember they were living under Roman rule. Rome was kind of ruling the world at that time. And if you were a Roman citizen, then you, you could strut your stuff. But if you weren't, you were second class. And these Jews that Jesus is talking to here are living under that suppressive rule. And a Roman, especially if he was a military Roman, could run into you anywhere he wanted to. And if, let's say it's a cold day, that, that Roman soldier could demand that you take off your coat and give it to him. And you know what your choices are? You don't have any choice. You either obey or they throw you in jail. Jesus said, I tell you what to do. When one of those guys comes up and demands that you give him your coat, then you go ahead, take off your coat, and give him your coat. And then this will blow his mind. After you've given him your coat, say, maybe the guy with you is 
cold too. Could I, could I give you my, could I give you my tunic here? And uh, you take that off and give it to him as well. And they're standing there with their mouths hanging open, trying to figure out what in the world is Jesus talking about and what kind of point is he trying to make? And yet that's what Jesus said you ought to do. When, when, and, and then he says, he says that not only that, he says, this, this is the way you treat others. He said, go the second mile. Same thing. A Roman soldier could stop a Jew on the road and say, whoa, buddy, I don't care where you're going, what you got on your mind or how urgent it might be. I'm carrying this backpack, but for the next mile, you're going to carry the backpack. And that soldier could take his backpack off and put it on somebody else and demand that they carry it for a mile. Didn't matter what they had going, they had to stop and carry that for a mile. Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start learning these principles of the kingdom because it's, it's, it, I'm teaching you something that's going to help you in the end. He said, when, when they strap that backpack on your back, you walk them out. And by the way, the, the Roman soldier could not demand it not one inch further than a mile. I mean, he better count his steps because he can't go one step beyond. One mile, that was it. That was the law. Jesus said, when you reach that mile and he's getting ready to take the backpack back on himself, you say, how about I carried an extra mile? You see, you're demanded to take a mile, but let's show a little grace here and I'll carry it for you a second mile. I call that second mile living. And, and there's, <laughs> there's a few people that I've met in this life that have learned to live second mile living. Well, not more than a few. I've met a lot of folks that have learned the blessing of what I call second mile living, going beyond what is necessary, going beyond what is required, going beyond what is demanded. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. He's saying, if you're going to be children of the kingdom, if you're going to live under grace, this is the way that you do it. Then he goes on and says, we're supposed to be generous. He said, give to him that asks. And from him that wants to borrow, if he comes for a cup of sugar, give him a cup of sugar for heaven's sakes. You got a 50-pound bag, Brother West. <laughs> give him a cup of sugar. <laughs> now, <laughs> it, just, it just keeps, uh, this, this crowd, I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been in the audience that day. But Jesus just keeps going with this. He, he says you're supposed to display love to those who don't deserve it. It's easy to love people that love you. It's easy to respond to people who treat you nice. But here's what Jesus said. You've heard it said. Here you go again. You guys have been talking this for years. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. How are we supposed to live? Don't, don't leave me, folks. Stay till the end of this. It's going to get good in a few minutes, okay? I, I'm going to show you why God's teaching us this. But we're, we're supposed to love not just folks that, that love us, but folks who hate us. We're supposed to love them. Now, I know you can't do this in your flesh by yourself. 
But I'm here to tell you this morning with the help and the grace of God, you can do anything that God asks you to do because he will give you the grace to do that. So love those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Somebody done you wrong, bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. You say, preacher, you're crazy. This is what Jesus said. This is not RB. This is, this is JC. He, this is what he's saying here. The big JC. Jesus Christ himself. This is what he's saying. Bless them. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Just, just do good for them. And pray. Pray for those who've mistreated you and done you wrong. And then he gives us a little key to what's going on here. He said, don't you realize that your heavenly father makes the sun shine on the evil and the good? And he lets it rain on the just and on the unjust. This morning when the sun came up, God did not look out over the universe and say, son, I want you to shine only on the good people who love me with all their heart. No, 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 no. He let the sun shine on everybody. And when the rains come, God doesn't pick out and say, I just want you to bless the farms of my people and let everybody else just dry up and die. No, God blesses the just and the unjust. What Jesus is saying here is that as children of God, we're going to have to start acting like our heavenly father acts and start doing things as he does them. And that's the way he's been blessing. Now, let me stop long enough to say, ask you, how many of you remember before you got saved? You remember what life was like? Was God merciful to you before you got saved? Sure he was. There wouldn't be a one of us sitting here if God had not been merciful and good and kind and extend his grace and his love and his compassion to us while we were yet sinners. God loved us and treated us good when we didn't deserve it, when we were taking his name in vain, when we were disobeying his word, when we were walking contrary to his covenant and his commandments and everything about when we were trampling under feet the blood of his dear son that was shed on Calvary. He loved us anyway and he treated us good and he blessed us and gave us opportunity and grace. Somebody give him praise today. So Jesus said, that's the way you and I are supposed to live. That's that's the way we are supposed to treat people. Now, I'm really having a hard time holding back this morning because the Lord has been stirring some stuff in my spirit over the past number of weeks and and, um, we're leading into it with this series and I'm I'm getting ready to go on on a rampage with the kingdom of God. And, and folks, let me, let me tell you, I, I just, I'm a rabbit trail for just a little bit and I'll come right back. But I, w- I want to tell you something this morning. It is time. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to my heart to tell our people it's time that you and, and, and I begin to act like children of the kingdom and start living by kingdom principles because we're living in a day and an age and a time when the principles of the kingdom of God are the only things that are going to carry us through. You see, God didn't put us in this world to just survive. His church is his body, and it's not to be crippled and broke down. 
and, and sitting on the sidelines. That's not what God, he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a people who are kingdom kids, who are taking the kingdom of God by force, who are standing in, in faith and power. And, and when the whole world is politically falling apart, we're not falling apart because we're part of a kingdom that's greater than this world system. And when the whole world is, go, go ahead and give him praise. When, when the whole financial system is breaking down and, and, and people are going bankrupt and everything, and God's will is that his people are prospering, amen, that the wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the righteous, and we're coming into that day. I'm here to tell you, the election is not going to solve the problems of America. It's time for the church to arise and be the church and come forth with kingdom principles that will change this thing for God. We got to start. We got to start acting according to the principles of the kingdom. Let me. There was one guy that that uh, that read and, and talked to the disciples of Christ and learned the principles of the kingdom that believed it. His name was Paul. Look what he said. He's writing to the Christians in Rome of all places, in the very place where the government was despised and hated the most. Paul writes to the people there. Many of whom, looking politically, what they wanted to do was have an insurrection and rise and overthrow the Roman government. Here's what Paul says, Romans 12, 9, 9, uh, verses 9 and verse 21. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Look at this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Look at this last line, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil how? With good. Paul believed it. Paul preached it. Paul understood what it was like to be a, a member of the kingdom. L listen, folks, what they did back in the old covenant all of that, all of that was type and shadow, and all they had was uh, was a, an observance, looking forward by faith to the day that Jesus would come. When they slew a lamb, all that lamb could do was cover their sins for a, a limited period of time, and, and they were they were they were only children of the promise uh, through their their lineage. But listen, something happened to us. When Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, came and shed his blood, his blood didn't cover our sins. His blood washed our sins away. 
And when his blood washed our sins away, something happened inside of us. We became regenerated. In other words, the seed of God hit our spirit and we were born again. We were born again of the seed of the word of God. We are now children of God, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus, sons and daughters of God. So we're supposed to be looking like God because we are the children of God. Amen. We are his people in the earth. Jesus referred to his body as himself. Remember on the road to Damascus when, uh, when Jesus spoke to Saul of Tarsus out of heaven and he said, you're, you're, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He said, why are you persecuting me? Well, Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the church. But wait a minute. Jesus said, the church is my body. Amen. Folks, do you realize who we are in the Lord this morning? Glory to God. That's what he's doing. He's getting us ready. He's helping us. He's preparing us. He's getting us ready as his people where we can move in with authority and with strength and demonstrate the kingdom of God on this earth. Jesus said, the, the, the kingdom suffereth violence and the violence take it by force. That force is the force of faith. But you got to learn to live by these principles of God's word. You can't act like the world. You see, go, go, go back to their whole concept. I can wrap it up by just saying the whole thing of, of the way people lived under that law. They learned the law. They learned it to the letter. And they did exactly what the law said, nothing more and nothing less. That's, that's the way to do it. Some of you today are living by the law. If I could follow you around tomorrow, I could, I could show you what I mean. You get to work, you get to work at the very last minute. Some of you wouldn't even stick that card in the time clock until you looked up and saw that it, it, it was time. You, you're, not gonna give, you're not gonna give them a minute more than what you bargained for. And you even backed in your parking place so you could get out of there just as quick as you could. And, 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 and if your job ends at 5 o'clock, about 4.30, you start getting ready to leave. You, you go ahead and take your little bathroom break. And you kind of tell everybody goodbye. That's in. You start straightening up your desk. And you're sitting there. And you're watching that clock. And boy, when it, when it hits five, rooms full of people. When it hits 5 o'clock, boom, you're gone. And... You look around. I mean, it's like it takes the air out of the room, man. And people just woof, they're gone. And, and you walk over and look. By the time you get to the window to look out the parking lot, the parking lot's empty. You're gone. You're not going to give that employer one minute more than what you bargained for, because you go, you you li- you living by the strictness of the law. What well, that that'll work. That'll work. And, and you're, you're a good employee. You give eight hours for eight hours pay. Nothing wrong with that. But, but you're not advancing in the kingdom. And you're not putting yourself in a position where God can take you and say, look here, my people live different. My pe- you, you get yourself in a position where God can bless you. But why don't you shock your boss by getting there before he does? 
and let him see that you're the first one there. And you get to work early and you're walking up and down the aisles or, or the hallways or wherever you work and you're praying God's blessings over him. Bless this place, Lord. I'm, I'm a child of Abraham. I'm a son of Almighty God. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. This place is blessed because I'm here. And I'm, I'm praying over this place. I'm, pray, I'm coming against confusion. I'm coming against, I'm coming against uh, gossip. I'm coming against uh, all, all, all of the, uh, anything that would cause, cause a problem here today. I'm coming against that in the name of Jesus. And I'm, I'm blessing this place. And, and, and stay around a little extra and, and, and throw in a little extra. And they'll start noticing you. And they'll start saying, what in the world's going on here? And you will be putting yourself in a place where you're saying, Father, I'm acting just like you did. You, you forgave people that didn't deserve it. I'm forgiving these folks that didn't deserve it. Lord, Lord, you gave us more of yourself than what we deserve. I'm giving a little bit more of myself than what these folks deserve. Now I'm asking you for a raise. I heard about a guy the other day, heard about a guy the other day that worked for a company. And, and he lived like that. And, and he would come to a point uh, where he'd feel like in his prayer life that he had given enough extra long enough that he deserved a breeze. And he, he would pray. He'd say, okay, God, I've, I've, I've really tried to demonstrate the principles of the kingdom of God, and I believe, I believe it's time for me to get a raise. And he said every time, this went on for years, he said every time I'd ask God for a raise, they'd call me in and give me a raise. <laughs> Glory to God. Why? Because there's, there's something different here. And what about all this other stuff, this retaliation and this getting even and this, this, this um, I know folks have hurt your feelings. I know people have done you wrong. I know folks have rejected you. I know, I understand all of that stuff. But listen, this is one area where God himself keeps for himself the, the, the distribution of equity and justice in those areas. I just read it to you from Romans chapter 12. He said, avenge not. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what anybody's done. You don't live like that. You trust that to your heavenly father. God said, I take care of vengeance. I take care of that. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. I will, I, will, I will do that. I'll take care of it. And you, you just don't worry about it. Doesn't matter what you, you're saying. Preacher, forgive when they don't deserve it. Absolutely forgive. How many times? Unlimited amount of times. I don't care who did what to you. I don't care who said what to you. I don't care. I don't care how offended or hurt you've been. You need to stand up as sons of God and say, God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me for everything, and I refuse to hold anything against anybody because I'm a child of God, and I'm going to demonstrate the principle of the kingdom. I forgive. I forgive. Let it go. I've shared with you several times through the years, my dad, who who owned Twin City Metal Company in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, way back and when I was growing up as a boy. And uh, a man came along and wanted to buy into my dad's business and showed him how that the two of them together could expand and, and grow, and, and dad let him buy in. And he bought in at, a, uh, at a, a, a large part of the partnership. And uh, things went good for bus business grew. And, and then my dad had to be out of town uh, quite a bit. His sister died and she'd left him administrator of her will. And, 
he had to make several trips out of the state, uh, getting all that straightened out. And this partner in my dad's business had made his wife the bookkeeper, and they were cooking the books, and he was buying stuff in my dad's business name and, uh, and, and hiding it. He, he was buying heat, uh, furnaces and air conditioners and, and selling them on the side and putting in jobs. He had a whole other crew that he had that was putting in, uh, uh, putting in jobs, and, and he was making 100% profit because my dad's business was having to pay for all the material. My dad had no idea what was going on until all of a sudden distribution houses started calling and demanding money and he'd run up tens of thousands of, of debt in all these places. The attorneys told my dad, said, you can put him away. He, he has, it, we've got plenty of evidence. You can put him in prison. My dad said, I'm not going to do it. He said, I'll leave this to God and let God handle it. And I asked my dad as a boy, I said, Dad, why did you not take him to court? I said, he's, he's getting along great. Look at him. He's driving a brand new car. He's living in a nicer house than we are. We're suffering because of that guy's, because of that guy's thievery. And my dad said to me, son, that man and his wife have young children. And if I put him in prison, who's going to raise his kids? We'll let God take care of him and God will take care of us. And my dad forgave. My dad went to all of the distributors. And one, one he owed 50000 to and another, I don't know how many thousands. They were all ready to sue him. But he went to every one of them, sat down. And he said, you know my reputation. I've worked with you for years and years and years. And you know I'm a man of God. And if you'll be patient and kind with me and not sue my business and, and put me under, I will pay you every dime that this man has stolen. And my dad paid every debt that was owed, I mean, every debt that, to every one of those distributing houses before he died. And God took care of him and blessed him in old age. That, other, that man that stole from my dad died a violent death in just a few years. Let me tell you something this morning. You can trust God to take care of things. But listen to this. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you take it in your hands to do it your own way, you block the hand of God. And God just steps back and says, okay, you want to do it your way? You go ahead and do it your way. I, I know you've been talked about. I know you've been lied on. I know it, it, probably everybody in this room has, has, has been done uh, wrong at some point in time in life. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the principles of the kingdom of God tell us that just like our heavenly father has forgiven us of everything, that we, that we ought to just release all of this stuff to God and trust him and stop cursing people and gossiping about them and talking about them and running them down and trying to do, do just do, stop doing that. In fact, one of the ways you'll know that you've forgiven them from your heart is when you're able to look up to God and say, God, I know those people have done me wrong, but I I want you to bless them. They did it in the ignorance. I'm going to play like, pray like Stephen did when they were stoning him to death. And I'm going to say, Lord, don't, don't even lay the sin to their charge. Bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, Lord, bless them, Lord. And when you do that, you give your heavenly father the opportunity to say, ah, boy, that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. I'm, I'm going to take care of them. I'm, I'm going to lift you up from there and I'm going to put you in a position of power where you can have strength and courage and grace and, and we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Glory to God. When everybody else is sick, you're going to be well. When everybody else is going broke, you're going to prosper. Why? Because you're trusting your heavenly father. Somebody stand to your feet and give God some praise today as we wrap this up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
Amen, amen, amen. Now I had you to stand so I'd stop. Because if you don't, I'm going to go another hour. I tell you, this stuff's burning in my soul. I see what God's about to do, and I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. Glory to God. Listen, folks, we're, 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 we're about to see a breakthrough in the, in the church of, a, of Almighty God on this earth like you haven't seen in all of your lives before. Amen. God's about to take his children and make examples out of them before the world so that they can see the Jesus in you. And they're going to want what you've got. Amen. Because there's, there's not any answers in this world. While we prepare to pray, and I'll ask those who are going to prayer team members and board members and group leaders, if you'll come quickly and prepare to pray. Several years ago, several years ago, there's a man named Frank and his wife's name Elizabeth. They had a son named Ted. He was the apple of their eye. Ted was killed in an automobile accident caused by a drunk driver. Drunk driver's name was Tommy. Tommy was taken to court. Tommy was found guilty of vehicular homicide. Tommy was sentenced to a pretty long term in prison. In prison, Tommy was given a Bible that some members of a local church nearby had provided, and he accepted it. And then he was told that these folks also provide a Bible study. If you you would like a a Bible study, kind of like a correspondence course where you can study the Bible and learn more about the Word of God, and he accepted that. And in the process of studying the Word, he gave his heart to Jesus Asked the Lord to come into his heart and forgive him of his sins. As time went on, nearing the end of his time in prison and part of a rehabilitation program, they started allowing Tommy to go to some of the local schools and talk to the students about the dangers of alcohol and drugs and And he would give his own testimony of how messed up his life had been because he succumbed to these things. And Elizabeth heard about it, and she was still having a struggle with bitterness in her heart because he was responsible for the death of her son. And so she went to one of those meetings to hear him give his speech, and she stayed afterwards and introduced herself and When she did, Tommy just fell apart. He just started weeping profusely, and he said, oh, please, please, please forgive me. And somehow she was able to do that. And in fact, uh, she talked with her husband and and said, let's work with the prison system. They'd done a lot of prison ministry in the past, and the prison started allowing Frank and Elizabeth to pick him up and take him to the schools where he was speaking and bring him back to prison one afternoon after he'd spoken at a particular school, they, uh, 
we're on the way back to the prison and Frank said, Tommy, have you ever been baptized? And Tommy said, no. He said, would you like to be? And he said, yes, I sure would. And so they stopped by their church and the pastor allowed them to use the baptistry and they went in and Frank actually baptized Tommy. And Tommy, as Tommy came up out of the water, he, he was weeping and he said the same thing to Frank that he said to Elizabeth a couple years earlier. He said, would you please somehow find it in your heart to forgive me? And Frank had never been able to forgive him as Elizabeth had. But he said at that moment, something released, something let go. And he said, I was able from my heart to forgive him and embrace him and accept him as my brother in the Lord. When Tommy got out of prison, he had nowhere to go. And Frank and Elizabeth took him into their home. And the man who was responsible for killing their son became their son. When I heard that story, it dawned on me that that's exactly what you and I did. God gave us his only begotten son. Jesus came to this earth because of our sins. We hung him on the cross. Oh, I know you think it was Roman soldiers that did it. No, 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 he didn't have to go to the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels. It wasn't, it wasn't the Roman soldiers that hung him on the cross. It was your sins. It was my sins. We're responsible. We killed the only begotten son of God. But he turned around and made us his sons and daughters. We who were responsible for the death of his only begotten son. The good thing about this is that God raised that only begotten son from the dead. He's at his right hand today. And God is preparing us to be kings and priests with him and to rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. I don't know what that does to you this morning, but, but it, it certainly tells me that I don't have a right to hold anything in my heart against anybody for anything. Amen. I have no right. I'm not worthy of that. I, I, so I'm, I'm just, by the help and the grace of God, I'm going to release it. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to hold offense. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be rejected. I, whatever you've done to me, whatever you've stolen from me, whatever you've taken from me, whatever anybody has ever done, whatever anybody's ever said, it makes no difference. I leave it at the cross of Calvary and let God take care of it. And I turn my back on that and I say, I'm going to walk in the victory and the strength of the Lord, glory of God. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> we're getting ready to rule with him, folks. We're getting ready to rule and reign with him. The altar's open. I, I've, I've, got, I've tried to quit and I, I hadn't been able to. If you want somebody to pray with you, there's some folks over here who'd be glad to do that. If you want to find a place and just pray with your, just by yourself, just, just come on and pray. But the altar's open for the next few minutes. God bless you. And I hope that... It, it, <laughs> I hope that whatever you're holding this morning, that you'll let it go. Just let it go. Let it go. Forgive whoever it is, whatever it is. Just forgive in Jesus' name. God bless you as you pray.